Hello, friends, and welcome to the First Love Podcast. As a means to kind of reinforce some of the things that I share on weekends when I get the opportunity, where we have these worksheets to do the synonym antonym exercise. And some of you, again, if you took it a while back, these may be new to you. But the main thing is on the bottom of these worksheets, I left a space and it says right below anything else the Holy Spirit is telling you through this passage. Or ask him what else he wants to say, or ask him a question, and write your first thoughts. Now, one of the things that it's fun to talk about personalizing and vocalizing the text is that one of the things that it did for me was that I was daily listening to the Lord speak first person to me, and especially when he was doing it through Scripture, doing that daily began to grow a relational understanding of his heart and his mind and what he feels and what he thinks toward me and toward others. And, but mostly as it grew this, this experience, this daily repetitive experience of hearing God talk to me, was that it grew this sense or awareness in me that he wanted to keep talking, wanted to talk first person to me. That Remember in uh, John 16, he says, John 16, 13, he says, the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth and he will speak, not on his own, but he will speak what is on the heart and mind of the Father and I, but he will speak. And he's supposed to remind us and teach us and lead us and guide us. And so we know the spirit's supposed to speak, but I think oftentimes we're not really sure what's him or not. And, but mostly it cultivated this expectation with listening to God talk to me first person. Oh, and the other thing, I didn't think to bring this one with me, but Dallas Willard has this wonderful little quote, again, out of his marvelous little book called Hearing God. But he talked about the fact that most of the time, the way God speaks to us is his spirit speaking to us, to our spirit, in our thoughts. And 1 Corinthians 2 is the text for this, where he says, who knows the mind of a person except for their own spirit? And then he says, the spirit knows the mind of God. And yet that spirit is in us and communicates the mind of God, the mind of Christ to us. Well, if we're supposed to be able to discern and know our own thoughts, I think the growth is that we learn to grow and discern when our thoughts are not just our own, but they're actually thoughts of God. And we begin to notice the difference. And it's why I think people struggle because, well, it's just my thoughts. Well, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> and one of the ways that really helped me to start practicing and learning this was journaling. And so we encourage journaling a lot. And that's why in the worksheet, after hearing God speak to you through the text, that's when I said, now write anything else you think the Spirit is telling you. Write your first thoughts. So on this one particular day, there's this short passage that says, You who are not beloved, I call beloved. You are the apple of my eye, and I love you, and I long for you, my joy, and my crown. So on this particular day, I thought, oh, I'm going to use that text, and I'm just going to spend time in it. And so I wrote at the bottom, write whatever else the Spirit is saying, was blank. So I had written my different attempts at the phrases, and here's what I wrote. Mark, I saw and I see the times people despised and rejected you. 
so you felt disliked and unwanted. But I never have nor ever will treat you this way. I call you beloved, wanted, prized, cherished, treasured. Mark, when I look at you, when I focus on you, it's because I value and cherish you uniquely and specifically like nothing else. I can't take my eyes off of you. I can't get my thoughts and affection off of you because of how much I value you. This is why when we're not together engaging each other face to face, I long for you and miss you. You bring me so much delight and pleasure, son. You are my prize, my crowning achievement, my workmanship, valued more than you can ever know. Well, of course, that touched my heart. So I had this page in my notebook in the section of my journal, which I have my lover section, my God sighting section, my prayer section. But then there's this section, which is, I did this sermon years ago, called it God's Extreme Makeover Project. And it's that's kind of the makeover project section that I'm paying attention to what he's working on in my life. And I think a lot of times we, we don't grow to the extent that we could because we don't stay engaged in it until God's kind of worked that in our lives over some period of time. Well, anyway, so I had this passage. I was really touched by that synonym antonym thing. And so I turned to it, and I was just going to do it as, a, as part of my love verse time. But I saw the empty space about what else did the Spirit have to say. And I went, you know what, Lord, I haven't done that very well. I just enjoy it itself, and I'm not being as deliberate to ask you or, you know, what else you want to say. So on this particular day, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the last couple lines, and then whatever thought comes into my head, I'm going to write that next. So this is why, here's the Lord speaking to me, what I wrote. This is why when we're not together, engaging each other face to face, I long for you and miss you. You bring me so much delight and pleasure. You are my prize, my crowning achievement, my workmanship, valued more than you can ever know. And then I wrote, Mark, you still carry some of that pain and why you seek to be liked and wanted by everyone. Mark, it gives them control and power over you. It makes you undiscerning at times and controlled by fear. At times, it makes you use them instead of engaging them without strings attached. You need to be free from them so that you are free to be there for them, to engage them only for who they are, accept them, respond to them, engage them for their benefit and their growth. And I went, oh. Wow, Lord, that's so true. That's still so true. I do, I do fear rejection still. I want people to accept and to like me. God, where is that coming from? What's the root of that? And so I began to start processing, asking the Lord to show me memories, experiences when that happened, to work through forgiving them and and even just rehearsing again the stuff we do in the measuring stick that Wow, Lord, I still clearly I don't own as deep as I need to that 
what matters to me most, what should matter to me most is who I am to you and the degree to which you value me. But the twist on it that so caught me by surprise was that when he said, but Mark, sometimes it causes you to use them. I wouldn't say perhaps things that should be said, or I would agree with things that perhaps I shouldn't just because I wanted to be wanted and wanted to be liked. So I was like, man, Lord, okay. So I began to process that, to work on that. And so one day there was still empty space on this worksheet. (laughs) And so another day I did it again. After I finished listening to him talk to me, I said, so Holy Spirit, now what do you want to say? So I finished the last line of the earlier thing when he says, again, Mark, you need to be free from them so you're free to be there for them, to engage them only for who they are, accept them, respond to them, engage them for their benefit, their growth. And then I started writing with a different colored pen so I could see the different day. (laughs) And here's the next thing that popped into my mind and what I wrote. Mark, it's also what made my discipline difficult for you to receive. You thought I would humiliate, reject, or dislike you. But I always see and know all of you. And I accept it all. Strengths, weaknesses, limitations, failures. It never changes who you are to me. But I do want to change some things about you, to mature you, to grow you. So don't care what others think of you, how they treat you, unless it's deserved. Meaning that they are addressing a weakness or a sin in your life. And then respond appropriately. But remember, people will reject you. They rejected me. They will dislike you. And when it's them, in other words, I felt like he was saying, but when it's them, it's not based on anything about me. He says, and when it's them and not you, then pray for them. Love them. And don't take it personally. And don't let it cause pain. And I went, oh my gosh. That's true. I was terrified of when David at the end of the psalm says, search me and know me and see if there's any offensive way (laughs) to test me. I didn't like those because I was afraid I would feel humiliation. Sometimes I was afraid to come into the quiet time and start reading because he was going to expose stuff and I'd feel embarrassed and ashamed and discouraged. But here again, he says, Mark, that's silly. I know you. I love you. Nothing's going to change that. But I want to see change in you. But it's about maturing. Maturing in such a way that you're not easily offended. You don't take things personal unless they apply to you. And then learn from it. Use it. Repent if you need to. Whatever you need to do next. But if it's because of their issues and their brokenness, Mark, I want you to mature and grow and get this little tougher skin so that you can pray for them. Really, it, What I wrote was the stuff from what Jesus said about loving our enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you and pray for those who mistreat you. And so I thought, yeah, Lord, I can't be doing that if I'm feeling offended and wronged and how could they think that? And Or I'm all consumed with I'm such a failure, I'm such a screw-up and everything's all about me. So it was another great moment. Well, as I was thinking about what to share with you guys, I realized that I need to make another move in that it sits in that fourth tab in my book and I don't always see it. And I just felt challenged today, like I need to move this up to the very first thing I see while we're working on this so that I can be reminded and stay in it and go, well, Lord, what do I do now? How do I work this out? 
And it just caused me to want to encourage you that, again, I don't know how we can grow without journaling stuff because we just forget. We forget stuff all the time. And here I've been able to keep processing. And you know what? The thing is, I am aware of it, though. I'm aware that I'm asking that question. Is it based in reality? Is it based in truth? Lord, help me to go. That's a good thing. If there's something that needs changing in me, that's okay. That's good. And that I'm being more willing to hear difficult things. In fact, that just happened. Somebody this past weekend writes this really nice thing, but then in the last part says, but I was really disappointed in the teaching sessions because we didn't get to have question and answer time. (laughs) And before that would have really bummed me out. But all I could do is go say, Lord, what do I do about that? And he goes, nothing. This is the only way you can do the weekend. If you start opening up to questions and people's thoughts and responses, it would take two hours to get through. Well, I was just able to go, okay, so he's disappointed in me, but I can't change it, so it's okay. And I thought, okay, God, that was really cool, and I'm okay about it. So I thought, wow, there's some growth. This is happening. I'm changing. Well, one other thing I just wanted to share, a final story in our last few minutes, though, was that when I'm sharing a passage with people, I'm always hoping that I'll have a sense of other thoughts come into my mind that the Lord might want to say something else. And so one night I was teaching this stuff in a home group. And so I said, well, let's just practice. Let's just try and see. Lord, I just ask you now, I'm going to share this verse with so-and-so. And I just pray that if you want to say anything else, help me. I'm going to trust the things that you give me. So I prayed. I looked at her. and She's sitting beside her husband. And I said this passage Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I'll never forget you. See, I've engraved you in the palms of my hands, and your life is ever before me. I mean, this passage is about that God will never forsake, he'll never forget, that even though a mother could, he will never. And he's even got you engraved in the palms of his hands so that your life is ever before him, always thinking about, reminded of, as it were, in that picture. I finish it and I go, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast, have no compassion on the child she is born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your life is ever before me. And I really love your heart. You've got a beautiful heart. Your heart brings me pleasure. It is a heart full of integrity full of integrity. I'm like, in my mind, I'm hearing what I'm saying and going, well, that doesn't fit the verse very well. (laughs) So I looked at her and I said, so what do you think? Does that mean anything to you as a Lord? And she goes, nope. I went, okay, but it was nice thing. Oh yeah. She goes, it was nice. It was pleasant, but now it's not shaking my world or something. And I went, okay. And then her husband elbows her and he says, no, last night. She goes, what? What about last night? Last night at pool? And she's still not getting it. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh my God. I love when people do that. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I go, so what's up? She goes, that's right. She goes, last night we were at pool and we just have these little wagers at the pool table. And I don't know what I did, she said, but essentially I ended up winning, and maybe there were some moments that I could have cheated, or I said that, oh, I didn't do this right. I don't know what what the deal was. All I know is that she says to our group, and this is why the husband spoke up, is that she says, I got in the car, and I said, you know, it was really kind of a weird thing tonight, but all three guys that I played with, 
they all said something about me having a lot of integrity and were really blown away by my integrity. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. And now God just says, and I love your heart. It's, I love your heart. It's full of integrity. It's a heart full of integrity. And now she's teary-eyed. Now she's like, oh, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> and initially, I'm thinking, okay, well, I guess maybe that was just my own thought. And it wasn't a bad thing. I mean, most of the time when you share stuff with people, it's probably going to still be nice. But I was hoping it might be more meaningful. Well, of course it was in the end. All of that because I'm so used to paying attention to the thoughts that come to mind. I trust that the Lord wants to do it, puts it on my mind. And there's lots of fun stories like that. But you can't do that if you don't know it, if you don't have it internalized, if you're not processing that and getting used to discerning the Lord's voice in your own mind, in your own heart. So I just want to encourage you, if you didn't really develop the journaling thing and keeping track of the verses and and especially pausing after the verse or the synonym and antonym exercise and just saying, Holy Spirit, is there anything else you want to say to me? Maybe you even ask it as a question this way where you just say, wow, Lord, that's hard for me to believe. What's going on in me? Asking questions and then trust the next things that come to mind. Well, anyway, love you. God bless you. Father, I pray, bless my friends. Empower them to grow in their ability to discern your voice, even as you love them directly by the scripture. Empower us all to grow in our ability to discern when you're loving us directly by the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for fun stories, too. And thank you for what you're doing in my life. I'm so grateful. Love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and have a great rest of the day.